I'm McKinney Smith. After going through a divorce, my sister passing away, experiencing narcissistic abuse, and some significant health scares, I realized through sharing my story that I wasn't alone in my suffering. Suffering, subjective distress generated by the experience of being out of balance. In a deep dive to holistically heal mind, body, and soul is where I discovered peace, clarity, and connection. It is impossible to be truly wise without some real-life hardship, and we cannot develop post-traumatic wisdom without making it through, and most importantly, through it together. Social connection builds resilience, and resilience helps create post-traumatic wisdom, and that wisdom leads to hope. Hope for you and others witnessing and participating in your healing, and hope for your community. A healthy community is a healing community, and a healing community is full of hope because it has seen its own people weather, survive, and thrive. Thank you for joining us on the Heal Her podcast, H-E-A-L, Honor, Elevate, and Love Her podcast formerly known as the Iwaka My Stilettos podcast, the top 1.5% most popular show globally, where we have conversations with extraordinary women on their journey towards wholeness and harmony. And since you're already here, you may as well subscribe. As a certified mindset coach guiding women towards peace, clarity, and connection within, supporting the direction of the system toward wholeness, my goal here is to help you thrive. Melissa Houston is a business financial strategist that helps optimize profit in your business so you can make money, increase financial confidence, and build your wealth. Melissa is a CPA with over 20 years experience and is passionate about getting more money in the pockets of business owners. Melissa is the author of Cash Confident, an entrepreneurial's guide to creating a profitable business and a regular contributor at Forbes.com. So please welcome to the show, Melissa Houston. Hey, McKinney. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for agreeing to say yes and come on and share your journey and your expertise with us. I do truly appreciate you and your time. Oh, my pleasure. And I appreciate you. (laughs) Well, we've been following each other for a while on Instagram. And I try to make sure I'm follow I follow people and stay connected with people that inspire me. I I need to be um I need my fear my spirit fed. I feel like sometimes, you know, people just follow whoever on social. I mean, I have family members that I don't even follow on social. <laughs> <laughs> just being honest. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> So I appreciate the content that you share. Um, Thank you. So before we even get into your your journey and where you are presently and your healing story and how you got there, um, I would love if you could share with the listeners um, a little bit more about um, your your platform, the things that you cover, just so they know in advance where to go and, and get that information. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. So I love to help business owners uncover the profit in their business because so many business owners are focused on sales and they think that, you know, they're bringing in multiple six figure, seven figure, eight figure, whatever the number of the day is, but there's, you know, a very good chance that they're not profitable. 
And to focus on that profit is important because profit is the money that you get to keep at the end of the day. I mean, really, it's the reason why you're in business, right? So being a CPA and working with business owners for decades, um, I saw that there's like a real gap in the market where business owners are consulting with their accountants, getting financial information, but they're not really understanding what they're being told. And I wanted to help bridge that gap and and help business owners understand. I don't teach you how to be an accountant. I don't teach you how to be a bookkeeper. I teach you what you need to know as the business owner so that you can make smart, profitable decisions in your business and keep your business in business for the long term. Yes. So I get super excited about empowering business owners with business financial literacy. Love it. Love it. Maybe that's why I resonate with it so much. Like, I've I've been an entrepreneur since 2009 and both of my businesses um there's very low overhead so I get to keep majority of my profits <laughs> but, which is awesome um, <laughs> you know reading and <laughs> learning about finance um you know especially as women I think is yeah. is very important we've had a few guests on recently that have um, as women, been the primary breadwinners in their family, and they feel like they're the cash cow, and they feel like, you know, they just need to keep going and all of those things. So, I think um, in advance, before we can get to the end of the segment, I want the ladies that are listening to go and connect with you and follow you, so they can learn how to be more uh, cash confident. Awesome, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> okay, so let's take it back all the way back before you got into finance and before I even start asking all the questions of why you even wanted to get into finance. Um, <laughs> let, let's, let's share with the listeners, you know, what you wanted to do or who you wanted to be when you were a little girl before society started to shape who you were or your family environment or any of those things started to put those limiting beliefs on who you'd be. It's such a great question because I feel like I was extremely passionate as a little girl that I wanted to be a teacher. Like there was no telling me otherwise. And I kind of feel like I came full circle, but we'll get to that later. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. 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 So as a little girl, you wanted to be a teacher and you presently teach entrepreneurs <laughs> on my own terms <laughs> on your own terms <laughs> yeah so it is connected somehow right it yeah you know it's funny and I, I didn't realize it I think until this moment how connected it was I love that I love that so what I would like to know because I feel like a lot of us have a unhealthy mindset around money or unhealthy relationship with money mm-hmm. I would love to know like what were you taught about money growing up as a child? I was very fortunate because my dad, and I speak about him often, he really was the huge influence in my life when it came to money and money management. I always say that my dad was like the first feminist that I ever met. And it's so ironic because, I mean, honestly, between you and me, he's a total redneck. (laughs) (laughs) He's from out west and, you know, like... (laughs) It took me a long time to realize, wow, my dad really is a feminist underneath all that. Um, Because he never, he he had two girls and a son, and he has, and he never told us girls that there was nothing that we couldn't do, Mm -hmm. right? He had the same expectations for us as he did for my brother. And a lot of it was money talk. 
And he would talk about how important it is to get your education and learn how to manage money. And he loves the story of the magical compound interest. And, you know, like as a child and a young adult, I mean, these, these lectures would just like, you know, put me to sleep or put the, you know, <laughs> tune out or whatever. But, you know, as kids, we're always listening to our parents, even if when we're not. And that helped me have the structure, the financial structure. And I learned um, he would pass on personal finance books and I would learn how to manage my money and read them and love them and talk to him about it as I got older. And that's really what got me into like sort of the financial space. Mm-hmm. Now, I didn't listen to him all the time and maybe <laughs> I'm giving you more information than I should have or I should be. But, you know, as I was trying to figure out my career, I was choosing social work because I wanted to be a teacher. And he's like, there's no money in that. And I'm like, Oh, I got to do what makes me happy. So I I pursued my education. And I became a social worker. And literally, I think, two full full time years into the job, because I worked as a social worker for about six years. I was like, there's no way I can do this. I'm not making any money. Mm -hmm. If I want to have a family, I'm going to be emotionally tapped. Like it's a very hard job to do. And I have full respect for social workers. So I went back to school and decided to do something that was going to make me some money. (laughs) So I I, won in the end. (laughs) (laughs) But I love how from a young age, your father instills in you like the importance of money. And, you know, you said, you know, he was like one of the first feminists that, um, you know, that you've ever connected with. So it's like, him teaching you the importance of the power of money as a woman, because I feel like there's a lot of women that, especially women that I know that are in in community service and and social work stuff, it's almost like there's a negative uh, view of money. And it's like, well, money allows us to do more, not just for ourselves, but to other people. It allows us to do more community work. It allows us to do more social work. It gives us the power to do what we want to do with our own lives. Like there's so much about money that I feel a lot of us were not taught at a very young age that shaped, you know, who we are today. I couldn't agree with you more. And I feel that there, and I know this through my client work as well, is that a lot of women carry this myth that to make money is greedy, Mm -hmm. right? We're not allowed to make money because we're women and we should be giving and we should be, I don't know, putting the, the the weight of the world on our shoulders. And that's just so wrong. And like you touched on money buys opportunity. Mm-hmm. It's not going to buy happiness, but it's going to open a lot of doors, which in mm-hmm. turn, relieves stress. And ultimately, you feel happier. Absolutely. You know, it, it's recently now that I'm so I've dived back into going deeper into my healing process. And I think to myself, there's a lot of things that I once couldn't afford that I looked at as a luxury. And I've been having some conversations with clients and friends and women who feel like because their job doesn't, um, they don't earn enough income at their job that they can't afford therapy or they can't afford the things that their body needs to heal. Like I am so grateful right now to be in a place where I can afford to go to therapy twice a week. I can afford to have a chiropractor, you know, uh, twice a week. I, these are things that people who view money as a negative thing may not realize there's so many things as a part of your healing journey 
physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, that money allows you to do. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess outside of your father, how has society, culture, or even your environment shaped your identity and beliefs? Wow, that's a really loaded question. (laughs) In so many ways, Um, specifically towards how, how specific do you want me to be here? As specific as you would feel comfortable being. I think society. Wow. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I've had my experience with a lot of naysayers, I guess you could say in my career and in my neighborhood and in my, you know, friendship circles, whatever, where people are like, when you tell them your big ideas and your big wants and dreams, people just put them down and tell you like, there's no way that you're going to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. And I feel as though like that shaped me because I'm very much the type of person that's like, Oh, you're telling me I can't. All right. You watch me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, but there's, you know, going back to the therapy thing too, there's, there's a lot of struggle with it as well. Like for example, working in the accounting space with old white men, scarred me for life, Mm. right? There's a lot of really condescending, really nasty, really um, people who want to destroy your career and your, your Mm self-esteem. And those shaped me in the, in the sense that first of all, I mean, I I'm a big fan of therapy. I started therapy when I was a teenager, maybe a little bit earlier than that. And I've continued throughout my life. And I think I'm so grateful that I did that because it got me through those hard times where it, the attacks on me and not just on me, like it's not personal. It it was my colleagues. It was, you know, whoever was around because these people, they don't stop at just one person. They do, they, they spread their poison everywhere. Mm -hmm. And realizing that, you know, working through that and realizing that this wasn't personal And getting to that place where I could be like, you know what, I don't really care. I just don't care anymore. I can't carry that weight. That definitely shaped me. Yeah. I I mean, I am sorry that you even had to deal with any of that. And I, I know that there are, how do I say this? Any woman who is an entrepreneur, and maybe not even just women, because I'm sure there are men who experience this as well. But anyone, let's say anyone that has, like you said, big ideas, your family, your friends, the people that are around you, oftentimes may not support that vision because they don't see that vision and not necessarily um, do they not see it for you. But what I've had to share with a lot of my clients, especially women entrepreneurs who are just starting out their business because, you know, they're they're upset that their family and friends are not supporting or any of those things where it's unfortunate, but don't it's not something that we should internalize because it has nothing to do with us. It has everything to do with their projection of their limited beliefs about what is possible with their, um, you know, previous history of what can and cannot be done with their own upbringing, with their own, you know, all of these things that have to do with them and not actually us. It's a hard uh, pill to swallow and a hard lesson to learn. It's not necessarily, you know, easy to absorb, 
but um, for those that are listening, if they're in your situation where they've got naysayers um, that are not supporting or not believing in their big ideas, I'm encouraging you not to take it personal. It's always about them and their thought process and um, a lot more to do with what's going on within them than with, with you. You nailed it. Like that was so (laughs) well put because it's true. Like I'm, I experience it myself where, you know, my mom and I are very, very close, but she for life of her cannot understand why I would want to be an entrepreneur. It's like, if I didn't make a million dollars in a year, well, that's it. You should quit, go back to work, get a job. You know, like that's where you're safe. Mm-hmm. And it's not that she's not my biggest supporter because she is in so many other ways. But she says, like, we, we talk about it because we're, we're close. And she says it's the fear coming from her. She doesn't yes. want to see me fail. She does. Yeah. She wants to protect me. Yeah. You know? Yes. That's just it right there. Oftentimes, yeah. those that are closest to us that can't see our vision, it's their fear of us not succeeding. It's their fear of, oh my goodness, what is going to happen, you know, to you if, if this doesn't work out. They're imposing their, I don't want to call it lower vibrational thoughts, but they're imposing their limited beliefs yeah. on you and what is possible for you. Yeah. Um, so what are some things that have helped you work through that? Through the relationship with my mom or just like the overall general... I'd say um, in in general, not necessarily just your mom, because I'm sure there are other people that love you and don't understand what it is that you do or why you so even true. do it. So true. So true. And, you know, I have the gratitude of therapy, right? Because I learned not at a young age, but maybe 10 years ago, not to care. And that doesn't mean that I don't care at all. It means that I don't carry that burden anymore, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like if somebody doesn't like me or doesn't appreciate me or what have you, I know it's not personal. It is about them. It's not about me. And we're not meant for everybody that we meet in life, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like it's a bless and release kind of reaction that I've learned to have. And, you know, so when I'm faced with adversity, I, I look at it differently where I'm like, No, this is their perspective. This is my perspective. That's okay. We don't have to meet. I can still respect them and like them as a person, but they don't necessarily have to be in my life. Right. You know, and just let it go and not take things so personally. Because as an entrepreneur, we we expose ourselves to so much vulnerability. And believe me, my therapy bills went up when I became an entrepreneur for sure. That's a journey. Like you were talking about earlier, it is such a journey. It makes us so vulnerable. It opens old wounds. It, you know, we have to face a lot of our past and work through it in order to get to the next level of our business. Yes, absolutely. I I say that entrepreneurship is a personal development journey. You know, I remember when I first became an entrepreneur and I was in all of these different um, groups with other people who are self-employed and people that were, I guess, down talking the personal development world. And to them, it was fluff and all those things. But as a mindset coach, and now that I'm doing corporate sessions and, and having corporate clients, it's like people who have limited beliefs and people who have not worked on themselves have a hard time being successful within business. They have a hard time being having successful relationships at work, at home, in all areas of their life. So as an entrepreneur, as anyone in business, you learn as you go. But as you said, the, the vulnerability in it where it's like, 
you have to have the courage to be vulnerable, the courage to take chances, the courage to, you know, <laughs> appreciate some of the losses and lessons. There's so, so much in there. Oh, so true. <laughs> it's a personal development journey for sure. Yeah. I always say, feel the fear and do it anyways. Yes. The fear will never go away until you take action. Absolutely. I love that. Yeah. Speaking of fear. <laughs> so you blew through a hundred thousand dollars of credit and you were able to hide that from your husband. I know that I would be crapping my pants from fear <laughs> if I had to hide that from my partner. So yep. I would love if you could <laughs> walk us through how you got into that situation and how you were able to work through that journey and get to the other side, especially, um, well, actually just those two parts first, because I have so many other questions to unpack that. Yeah, I mean, this is quite a story. And I laugh about it now, but there certainly wasn't any laughing back then. Um, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty, And there was a time in my life where I was severely dissatisfied with my career. But I didn't realize it. And I knew something was amiss. And I was like, what's my problem? Like, I've got a good marriage. My kids are great. I've got a nice house. I've got you know, my dog, life is good. My parents are still here. Like I really, you know, I couldn't put my finger on it. And instead of doing the work that I needed to do, I started distracting myself from that feeling. And it started with shopping and then it moved to online shopping. And then it moved to, Oh, I don't have any money to pay for this. Like I'm blowing through money quicker than I'm making it. So then it turned to like, I would turn to credit cards and like, I mean, let me actually backtrack a bit because when my husband and I first met, we were very financially aligned and we had this plan and we stayed on this plan up until the point where I'm talking about that at that mm -hmm. time. And I was really like, just looking for something to make me feel good. And I didn't realize it. And I just kept the, the bills were piling and piling and it, and it was like, I Instead of like, you know, saying, oh, maybe it's just stop shopping. I was like, I think I'm going to look at Pinterest now and decide, you know, how I'm going to remodel the house. And, you know, like just going through $100,000 of credit until I blew through it all. And I could do that because I had access to it without my husband knowing. Mm -hmm. Like he, you know, he may have known, but he didn't really, he didn't know I was doing that. But he started questioning me. He's like, there's a lot of packages coming in. You know, you're, you're spending a lot of money. Like what's going on? And because I was like the primary, like I'm the one who took care of the finances and stuff. It was very easy for me to lie. And that's mm -hmm. what I would start doing. I would lie and say, no, 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 don't worry about it. We can afford it. And he just trusted me completely because we'd been married for probably 15 years up to that point and stayed right. on track. So he had no reason to question me or doubt me or not believe me. So then, you know, I even got to the point where I <laughs> so stupid. I talked him into putting an in-ground pool in the backyard. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, and if anybody knows, in-ground pools are expensive and so is the interlock that goes around them and then the shed that you need to store the equipment and, you know, all the landscaping. It's like it just, it was ridiculously out of control. And I'll tell you, the day that they were filling our pool, I stood there and I was watching them fill the pool and I thought, no, that's not what I'm looking for. Oh, wow. Like, talk about ridiculous, right? 
But it was also when we were nearing the end of the credit Mm. and we we were in trouble. And I, well, I was in trouble, not we, because it was all me. And I had to come clean with him and let him know what I had done because there was no more money. And honestly, I wasn't making enough to cover the interest expense for the credit cards. Mm -hmm. We had to move some money around and there's no way we could do that without, without him knowing So that's when I had to come clean. And it was like, honestly, the worst day. And I still remember the look on his face when he found out. And like, he was just, it wasn't anger. It was pure disappointment. Right. You know, and that hurts more than anybody like, you know, being mad at you. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It makes me think of, from a healing perspective, I think anytime we have this, whether it be a shopping addiction or drinking addiction or substance addiction or sex addiction, whatever it is, it's usually to numb a feeling yeah. or to, Avoid it. We're, we're searching for that happy hormone. We're, we're, we're trying to get, you know, the dopamine and serotonin, all those happy things. We're searching for that feeling. So when you said when the pool was being filled and you're like, that's not it. <laughs> it, it, it I wish I'd, re- like, I'd known that a little bit earlier, but okay. <laughs> yeah, it totally makes me think of it's like, you know, you're buying all these things because you're trying to feel better, but it's not working. You know, we're, yeah. we're trying to numb the feeling or whatever it is that we're trying to cover up, but it's not working. You know, someone who may be listening may be thinking from a judgmental standpoint and thinking, well, why didn't you just stop spending? But it's not that simple. You know, it's, it's not a, because, yeah. like, you know, and, and the, the reason why I share this story is because like, I'm a CPA. I studied money my, like the, the last 25 years of well, more than that now of my life, like more, more time being financially aware and responsible and educated than not. Yeah. And I still managed to get myself into this. And I knew as I was spending that it was completely wrong, that it was not a good choice that I should stop, yet I continued. Right. Even though, like, I had all the signs, Melissa, stop. This is not right. You know, you're you're burning money. You're putting yourself behind financially. You're not going to be able to retire the day you want to retire. Like, all the thoughts. Yeah. And I was like, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. Order, click, boom. There we go. Yeah. 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 I, I get it completely. And I know that, so my my mentor, God rest his soul, he passed away just over a year ago. Um, Bob Proctor, he like taught us there's a huge difference between what we know and what we actually do. And we can know all of the things on the conscious level of our brain, you know, what's wrong, what's right, how much we can afford, you know, we shouldn't be buying all these things, but then subconsciously our feeling mind controls our actions. It's the things, it's those deep rooted feelings. It's those things that, you know, we may not say or show on the outside that is really affecting us. And I think it's very easy for someone who doesn't understand to pass judgment on anyone. But I find the more that we work on our own healing journey, the more compassion we have for other people and more understanding. And I've been able to look at other people's situations or scenarios or past. And instead of saying like, what is wrong with you? It's like, okay, something happened. (laughs) You're working through a thing, (laughs) right? (laughs) Like it's, it's, 
because of the way that our brains are wired, the same way how someone can get addicted to, like I said before, substances or um, alcohol or any of those things, we can be addicted to complaining, we can be addicted to all those things. It, It sets off a chemical reaction within our brain that it puts us on this cycle. And it's hard to get out of if there's no support or we're not intentionally working on those things. So it's, I want to say it's easier to fall into a situation like that than people think. So I just wanted to point that out because I know that sometimes people listen like, Oh, well, how could somebody No, Yeah. <laughs> like it, it can happen to any of us. It can happen any to the best of us. us. Exactly. Yes. And I love that you said that because it's so true. Yeah. So I would love to know how you were able to recover from that and how actually in two ways, how were you able to recover from that financially and how, what, what was the journey like recovering from that with your husband? Yeah, such good questions. The financial part was a lot easier than the, the recovery with the relationship. Financially, because we had such a strong financial foundation and the interest rates back then were so low that we could refinance the house, have it at a, you know, I think it was like a 1.9% interest rate and then pay it down. Right. Mm-hmm. Like thankfully I made, I made good money in my job and, you know, just had to sacrifice a lot to, to bring that down. And I know not everybody's as fortunate, right. but you know, it takes discipline, determination and a good plan. So that was the financial plan. And, um, you know, I'm still working at it. I haven't recovered from it completely. I mean, that a hundred thousand dollars is a lot of money yeah. and I'm not going to sugarcoat it. And it takes years to recover from that. Now, relationship wise, I think that's such a good question. Because had you asked me this last year, I would have been like, you know, we're in such a good place. It's so great. But the money thing has surfaced again, Mm -hmm. where it's like, you know, there's a lot of questions and a lot of like, because my husband now is on disability. He he um, without saying too much, like he's, he's basically uh, got a lot of diabetic side effects. And um, so he's on disability. So our income has decreased by a lot. And then being in the entrepreneurial journey, sometimes there's some cash or cash strains. So that's put a little bit of pressure on the finances. And it's like, what are you doing? Where's money going? Are you doing that again? Did you buy anything? What are you spending money on? Where's all the money going? Like that kind of thing. And it's Mm -hmm. pissing me off. Mm -hmm. But I understand where it's coming from. And I'm grateful that he's more involved and he's on top of it, right? Mm Because he's like, wait a minute, like this happened to me before. It's not going to happen again type thing. So, you know, the trust, the, the whole point I'm trying to make is that that trust has definitely been severed. I don't think mm-hmm. it's been broken, but it's been severed. Like we we have, and I'm grateful for this. We have a very strong relationship. He truly is my best friend. I believe I'm his, but it's not lost on me the damage I've done. Right. 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 And I'm grateful for him every day for sticking by me because a lot of people would have been like, that's it. I'm it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and I'm grateful that I didn't make it worse than it, than it could have been. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I'm, I'm just grateful for so, so many things. Right. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a long road of recovery. Yeah. I mean, th- that's what I wanted to unpack there. Because I think, from the relationship standpoint, like, 
we, again, naturally as humans, we sometimes may have an action or do a thing that we regret later and we're remorseful for and we're working through, but there's damage that has been done to the people around us or to the relationships around us. And like you said, it's a blessing. You guys are still together. You're figuring out financially, all of those things. But even when you've healed from a thing, it's always, it's always a journey. So even if you are at a place where you feel like, even if it was a long time ago and you've worked through that and okay, that's done and over with, that's not how we work as humans, right? Like sometimes there may be a trigger that comes along and stuff starts to resurface again. Something may happen and, you know, you realize, oh, darn it, you know, we've got some more work to do on this. Um, And and that's why I mentioned earlier with my therapy journey where it's like I spent the last few years heavily working on my healing journey. And I was like, I'm in a great place. I'm feeling great physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, blah, blah, blah. And realized, okay, I'm ready to go deeper. There's more work here to be done, right? (laughs) So, so there's always work. It's never an ending journey. So that's why I onion, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 And it's um, funny, like you mentioned that too, because um, one thing that really surfaced for me in the last year with my husband is I didn't realize how much of a scarcity mode he had. And I'm more of an abundance mode. I believe that money, you know, it's like, you know, you lose it, it'll come back to you. Right. Very much abundance. And he's very much like, we only have a hundred dollars and that's all we're going to have for the rest of our lives. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so We are two very different people who approach money differently. So that is an extra challenge on top of it. Yeah. I, oh, I get that. So my ex-husband and I were like that where he was very much abundance mindset where, you know, if he wanted something, he's going to figure out how to make that money appear because he wants it where I was like, okay, we have $1,000 in the bank. We can't spend any money right now. This, you know, all these things need to be allotted for. We don't know when the next thing is coming in. Da, 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 da. That used to be how I used to function. And when I was going through a divorce and becoming an entrepreneur for a long time, I was still in that mindset where it's like, okay, I don't know. I don't have a biweekly paycheck. I don't know when, you know, the next set of income is coming in, but I have a mortgage to pay. I have three kids to feed. I have a dog. I have a car payment. I have all these things. And it wasn't until my personal development journey got deep and I started working with Bob Proctor where my mindset shifted from that scarcity mindset to the abundance mindset, where now I feel like me and my present partner, where he's the scarcity mindset and I'm the abundance mindset. And it's like, well, he's got the great government job, but, you know, I'm the one who's the entrepreneur. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, we'll just figure out another source of income so we can have this thing. Like, yeah, (laughs) yeah. But it's, you know, it's healthy. It's a balance, right? Yeah. You know, it's like if you're both in scarcity, if you're both in abundance, there'll probably be some signs of trouble that you balance (laughs) each other out, right? (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Always. I'm always grateful for the balance. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, I would love to know, I guess, with everything that you've experienced up until this point, what advice would you give your younger self? Oh, wow. That is a really good question. The, the the advice that comes to mind, and actually, no, this is clear as a bell. Um, take the chance. Take the risk. 
don't be so risk adverse because my whole story about getting into debt was about how I knew from the year of 2003 that I wanted to be an entrepreneur and I wanted to do what I'm doing now as an entrepreneur, but I had two young kids and my husband was working at the time. Everything was good in that way, but two young kids, I was worried like, well, you know, the money, money, money. And that's one thing that probably went too far because I was a little bit in the scarcity mode back then. Right. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of flipped. Um, not till later, the abundance mindset, because even when I was spending, I was still in scarcity mode. Yeah. Um, but anyways, long story short is that that was the reason why I started spending because I was so unhappy working in a job that I hated working for other people that I did not enjoy working still for those white men who were abusive and, and, um, exclusive like everything was you know for them the boys club the this the that nobody cared about your ideas the whole thing right Mm -hmm. and it wasn't until 2020 when I finally had the courage to go out and do my own thing so I know that was I should have a much shorter answer (laughs) (laughs) but yes feel the fear and do it anyways yes you know because everything will work out absolutely absolutely so I think about your experience, uh, like you said, working with the old white man in the boys club and um, your experience of, you know, the, going through that scenario um, of burning through the hundred thousand dollars and trying to regain the trust within your relationship, all of those things. What lessons have you learned about having a healthy relationship with yourself at this point? Wow, I've learned so many lessons. I mean, I remember, see, what I decided at that moment when I saw that disappointment in my husband's face was like, I'm not going to make this all for nothing. I need to know why I did what I did. Like, it wasn't good enough to just pay the money back. I needed to Mm -hmm. learn. And, you know, as we were talking about, it's peeling back the layers and figuring out, like, I wasn't happy in my job. I wasn't happy here. I wasn't happy there. But, um. Sorry, what was the question again? <laughs> what have you like, learned I just about having a healthy lot. relationship with yourself after yes, all Yes, the healthy relationship with myself was to forgive myself. Mm. And learning from every experience, whether it was negative or positive, right? There was always, and especially in the hard lessons, because there were a few hard lessons that hit us at once. And it was taking the positive lessons out of those hard lessons, because they weren't going to be for nothing. Mm -hmm. There's a reason why you get kicked down. And you learn from it, you get back up, you dust yourself off and say, you know what, this wasn't so bad, because I learned this, this and this. Yes, absolutely. I love it. I love it. So what advice would you give to a woman that's listening right now, that has been running up her credit card? (laughs) Yeah. Um whether she's in a relationship or not um, is using the, the rush of buying things to fill that hole that's inside. What advice would you give to that woman listening right now? That is such a good question. And the advice I would give is first of all, you're not alone. Well, actually, no, first of all, put the card down. And then you're not alone. Money is extremely emotional. 
And, you know, everybody has their money story. You got to start working on yourself, become introspective, figure out why it is you're doing what you're doing, figure out what that trigger is that makes you want to spend, and then replace it with a positive behavior. And if you can't do that alone, there are financial therapists out there that can help you with that. And financial therapy is a relatively new field, but it's so needed. Like of the handful of financial therapists I know, most of them are maxed out with clients right now. Wow. I was just about to say, I think that's something I would love to take up. Can you recommend any? (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely can. (laughs) But yeah, like it's so important because money is part of your your health. It's your financial health, right? You've got so many facets of your health and you have to take care of your money health. Yeah, absolutely. So I wanted to unpack that, but before we, we go there, um, before we go to the final segment, I would love if you could tell the listeners where they can stay connected with you online, where they can learn more from you and about you, where they can buy your book. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Um, yeah. So the book is available anywhere where you would order books on Canada's at chapters and the States it's target, Walmart, uh, Barnes and Nobles. And then of course we've got Amazon. And then if you want to connect with me on social media, I'm at Melissa Houston CPA on both Instagram and LinkedIn and feel free to you know message me if you, you can relate to the story or if you have questions or just need a shoulder to cry on or something, right? A little bit of yeah. encouragement. Um, and then she means profit is my blog and podcast. Awesome. 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 So I will have all the direct links under the episode so they can just click and connect with you directly. They don't have to search too far. Thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. So the final segment, it's kind of like a rapid fire. I'm kind of a a, a rebel. So, um, you know, if you want, like we say to answer one word or one sentence, but if you feel the need to unpack, you are more than welcome to do so. (laughs) I think I've proven I'm not really good at the one word answers. I will try. (laughs) There are those of us that like myself that appreciate the explanations. (laughs) Okay. Let's start with what does success mean to you? Happiness. Okay. Um, What is one thing you forgive yourself for? A lot of mistakes. I've forgiven myself for a lot of mistakes. Okay. What's the first thing you do when you wake up in the morning? Ugh, groan. <laughs> I was like, oh no, is it morning? Actually, no, that's not true. When I was working, that was very much like it. But now it's like, hey, you know, what challenge am I going to face today? It's, it's very different waking up in the morning now than it was when I was employed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I get it. I get it. Okay. What's the last thing you do at night before you go to bed? I listen to the crickets right now. Okay. Yeah. Does that drive you nuts or no? <laughs> no. I find it very relaxing because I'm a huge fan of Shit's Creek. See, this is where I just don't, I can't end at one word, right? Yeah. So I'm a huge fan of Shit's Creek. You watch that show? Uh, no, but I know what show you're talking about. Yeah. Of course you do because you're Canadian. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but if you ever watch it, you will hear the crickets in the background because they filmed in the summer all the time, right? And yeah. I'm just like such a lover of that show that now, as we're recording, we're in the summer, um, the crickets are out. And I've got the window open because it's, it's you know, we're getting closer to fall. And the, the air's nice and the whole bit. And I really enjoy listening to the crickets. It calms <laughs> me down and I fall asleep. 
I am so going to play this part of the episode for my partner because so he, when we before we moved in together, he was living closer to downtown Toronto. So he was used to like the sound of traffic and okay. you know, I don't know, fire trucks and all that good stuff. And I am used to living with quiet. I love nature and all those things. So the first year he was struggling because the crickets were so loud. It was like <laughs> deafening to him. It was driving him nuts. <laughs> I could see how that would be annoying. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, okay. it's true because, like, when I was at the cottage, I'd hear bullfrogs, and I'd be like, "I'm going to kill those bullfrogs." <laughs> but you know, as you're saying this, you know, as I'm talking about the crickets, it sounds like I'm, I live in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> there are sirens and stuff in the background. Yeah, <laughs> but it's just not like the city where it's like you know, right in your yeah. ear. <laughs> I get it. I get it completely. Okay. Um, name a book that has changed or greatly impacted your life. This is, you know, a funny one because I always go to this one, The Wealthy Barber. Okay. Did you ever read that? I did not. I'm going to add that to my reading list. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay. it's old. It's an old book. I think I read it when I was 19 the first time. Yeah. I've given it to my kids to read and it changed my life. I am going to add that to my reading list. Thank you. It's not a very profound phil- philosophical book, but it's money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, name one of the most worthwhile investments that you've ever made. And that could be of money, time, energy. Mental health. Mental health. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, describe yourself in one word. Um, ambitious. Love it. Okay. Um and last but not least, what do you wish women would do more of? Claim their wealth. Love we it. need more wealth in the hands of women. I agree. Make this world I a better agree. place. Yes. Yes. Thank you so much for your transparency, for your, I want to say, your vulnerability. Because I feel like there's a lot of shame when it comes to money. Mm. And especially if you're in a certain um, career path. Yes. (laughs) I was looking for the right word. Yes. CPA should not be doing that. (laughs) Yes. Like I, I appreciate you being able to share your origin story and how you've worked through that and how you're still working through that. Yeah. Um, Because I find in this day and age, especially because of social media, you know, glorifying only the the highlight reels. And this is why I love doing the podcast, because we get even deeper and we get into the real parts of someone's story that people don't see on social media so that people can connect to real people and understand that if this can happen to you, then this can happen to me too. We can work through it. We'll be okay. (laughs) Yeah, it's so true. And like, I was scared to death when I first started sharing my story, like mortified. because I thought, what are my, and first of all, thought about those old white men who always Mm. put me down And then I'm like, what are my colleagues going to think? But surprisingly, I've had a ton of finance professionals come to me and say, I'm so grateful that you talk about this because I too have been in that situation. Yes. I love that. We're all human. We are all human. Absolutely. And I I think one of the things, the key things that a lot of people should probably realize is that those of us, especially entrepreneurs that are in a position trying to help and impact the lives that are around us we are basically helping the people who are where we were. <laughs> yes. The people we wish were there to help us. 
Yes. Yeah. 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 Thank you so much, Melissa. I I appreciate you and we definitely need to stay connected. And if there's any way that I could be of value to anything that you were doing, I'd be more than happy to help. I have to tell you, like, this has been one of my favorite interviews ever. Thank you so much for having me. It's been so fun. Thank you. I am so, so honored. (laughs) (laughs) And to all of you healers out there until next time, subscribe, Uh, we would love if you could rate the show and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And I would love to hear what resonated with you from Melissa's story. I would love to hear if you had the similar story and how you've worked through it or if her story is helping you work through it. And I want to thank each and every one of you that continues to listen each week to help the show rank globally in the top 1.5% of most popular podcasts out there. I want to challenge you. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) I want to challenge you to send this episode to five people that would receive value from today's show. You can screenshot this episode and you can tag Melissa at Melissa Houston CPA. You can tag myself at the real McKinney Smith. A healthy community is a healing community and a healing community is full of hope because it has seen its own people weather, survive, and thrive. So let's continue to heal her. 